Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. A uh, couple of years ago, uh, our beautiful uh, dog that had been part of our family for 15 years, uh, we had to take him to the vet and put him down. He, uh, Max, there's Maxie up on the, uh, on the screen. Uh, Max was a part of our family uh, for 15 years and one morning woke up and he just couldn't stand up anymore. His legs had gone lame and the kindest thing that we could do was take him uh, to the vet. Problem was none of, our, none of the girls in our family uh, were willing to do that and so it was up to me and Joey. And so we, uh, we picked him up because he couldn't stand anymore. We carried him gently to the car uh, we drove him uh, to the vet. We picked him up in the back seat uh, of our car and we carried him into the vet surgery and uh, we put him down gently and we began to caress him and speak words of comfort over him and thank him for what a good dog he'd been to us. We're t- giving him little chalky doggy treats that he probably hadn't had since he was a puppy and there's tears streaming down our eyes. You know, we're just un- inconsolable as we're saying goodbye uh, to our dog who'd been part of our family for 15 years. Some of you uh, have had an experience like that. Put your hand up if you've had an experience like that with a pet, where you've had to say goodbye to a pet that, uh, that you love. The funny thing is, we loved Max, but he wasn't a perfect dog. He was actually a pretty annoying dog. You know, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd, he'd constantly dig up the backyard and make a mess uh, everywhere he went. He would, was scared of lightning and every time we weren't home and he wanted to get inside when there's a lightning storm, he would just scratch divots in our timber front door. He pushed our gates over, pulled them out of the wall. He, uh, would, things would disappear in our backyard and then they would turn up about two days later in little chalky drops, you know, just around. He would chew up thongs. He'd, my, my daughter's Barbie doll was never quite the same, never smelt quite the same. You know, came out the other end, but, uh, you know, it was just never, never quite, you know, the same. And then there was the infamous car trip to Sydney. The whole family uh, was in the car and Max was in the very uh, back seat. And uh, this is a diesel Land Cruiser. I could begin to hear his stomach rumble. You know, I'm sitting in the front seat over the noise of this car because the kids had decided it was a good idea to feed him all the leftover Thai food in the fridge before we got in the car to drive to Sydney. We got to Coffs Harbour and that Thai food did not want to stay in Max's stomach. In fact, it exploded all over the back seat of the car. If you just go back to that uh, first photo, there he is, he's sitting in the back seat. He, well, he wasn't that happy at the time. But the rest of us, we jumped out of the car to go on 110 kilometres an hour down the, uh, the highway because the smell was intolerable. You know, we ripped out carpet, we ripped out everything out of the back of the car and we drove from Coffs Harbour to Sydney with our heads, you know, out the windows. He was a smelly dog. But as we were saying goodbye to him, as, as annoying as he was, there was this incredible kindness in our hearts. It made me think, what if we showed the same kindness to people who can be annoying Put your hand up if you know people can be annoying. People that can be hard work. What if we showed the same kindness to people who were annoying and hard work as we showed to dead dogs? How different would our world be? 
What if we carried people when they were annoying? What if we cared for people, comforted people, spoke words of life over people, were kind to people? In the same way that we're kind of dead dogs. There's one story in the Bible, I think it's the only story in the Bible, where we actually see someone compare themselves to a dead dog. And there's a king in the Bible that shows incredible kindness to this man named Mephibosheth, who felt like a dead dog. If you've got a Bible, open it to 2 Samuel chapter 9. It says this, David asked, David is the king by this stage. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul? He was the first king of Israel to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba at your service? He replied, the king asked, is there, still, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Zebed answered the king, there's still a son of Jonathan, he's lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. Zebed answered, he's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. Remember that name, that's where they live in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, that's a hard name to say, it doesn't matter how many times you said it during the week, it's a hard, everyone say Mephibosheth with me. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and he bowed down to him. Uh, to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you'll always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring him the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's son. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was lame in both feet. A little bit of context here for those uh, who haven't read uh, the New Old Testament for a while. Saul is the first king of Israel and his heart turned against God. He actually began to worship other gods and so God sent a prophet named Samuel who's writing this history book at a time in history to actually call David to be the next king and to anoint him as, as God's chosen king. You know, Saul actually sees David's incredible leadership ability, gets jealous, decides to kill uh, David. David flees. In the midst of all this chaos, David and Jonathan, Jonathan is Saul's son, they become best friends, which is quite a miracle that they would become best uh, friends. And they make a covenant with each other. Whatever happens after all this chaos, we promise to look after each other's families. Well, on the battlefield, Saul and his son Jonathan both got killed. They both die in battle and David does become the king of Israel. And now in 2 Samuel 9, David is the king of Israel and he says, is there no one left in Jonathan's family, in Saul's family, who I can show the kindness of God to? And he says, yes, there's one named Mephibosheth. Now Mephibosheth, he was only five years old 
when uh, his granddad and his dad uh, were killed in the battlefield. And the servant, uh, his servant picked up Mephibosheth and fleed for their lives when David became king. Because normally what a king would do when a new king got on the throne, they would, uh, they would wipe out the old king's family line so that no one would try and usurp the throne. That was the first thing that they did. And so Mephibosheth flees for his life with a servant at five years of age. Unfortunately, the servant drops him and he becomes so damaged, he's lame in both feet for the rest of his life. And here we have a king who actually goes searching for the old king's grandson, not to harm him, but to show kindness to him. Now, the reason this 3,000-year-old story still has meaning for us today is because the king of Israel is simply a picture of King Jesus who was to come. You see, King David was kind to dead dogs. Our king, King Jesus, is kind to dead dogs. I don't know if you've ever felt like a dead dog. I don't know if you've felt you know, so lame, so damaged, so worn out, so broken, so much fur missing maybe that you just couldn't pick yourself up and get going again. You actually needed somebody else to pick you up and to carry you. We all have moments. If you haven't had a moment like that in your life yet, you will have moments like that. Don't give up when you have that moment. That there is hope because we have a God who is incredibly kind. He searches, just like in this story, we see the king goes searching for someone to show kindness to. Mephibosheth says, Who would you, why would you notice a dead dog like me? And he shows extravagant kindness. We have a king in heaven who's come searching from heaven to earth to show extravagant kindness to us. It's a story I love in Luke chapter 8. One of my favourite stories about Jesus. He's become pretty famous by this stage. He's healing people. There's people jostling him. There's crowds all around him. And uh, as, as he's walking through the crowd and people are touching him, you know, everywhere he, he goes, he, he stops the crowd and he says, who just touched me? And the disciples say, what are you talking about, Jesus? There's people touching you all the time. He says, no, I know the power of God has just left me. Who touched me? And he wouldn't let it go. And finally, this woman who was in the crowd who wasn't supposed to be in the crowd, she was actually supposed to be away from the community. She was unclean because of her condition. She'd been sick for 12 years. She shouldn't have been in the crowd with the rest of the people. If she had have come into town, she should have been yelling out unclean so everyone could stay away from her. But she's heard about Jesus. She's desperate. And so she gets into the crowd. She reaches out and she touches his cloak, hoping that she might be healed like she's heard other people have been healed. And immediately, the sickness that she's carried for 12 years is gone and she's healed, and she's hoping to scamper away unnoticed. But Jesus is too kind for that. Listen to what it says in, in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 8. It says, When the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling like a dog and fell at Jesus' feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she'd touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to her, look at the next word. What's the next word that Jesus, or the first word that Jesus says to her? Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. 
Now, I know some of you in this room better than others, but you know, I've been a pastor for nearly 30 years because I love God and I love people. I love all of you. I love the fact that you're part of our church. I love at staff meeting on Tuesdays when Cirque stands up and he just tells stories of what God is doing here and the way he's touched some of, some of your lives. I love all of you. But there's only three people in the world that I call my daughter. And I need to be honest with you. I love them more than I love you. I just do. I was there when they were born. You know, I held them in my arms as they took their first breath. I watched them take their first step. I, I carried them when they got hurt physically and I held them when people said cruel things to them. I love them more than I love you. What does Jesus say to this woman who's been ostracised from the community, not wanted, not, people didn't want to be close to her? He says, you're my daughter. I was there when you were knit together in your mother's womb. I, I was there when you took your first step. I, I was there when people said hurtful things about you and they pushed you away. I cried with you. I embraced you. I've never taken my eyes off you. You've never gone on notice from me and you haven't gone on notice now. And the reason Jesus is showing extravagant kindness, not just to heal her physically, but to make sure that she doesn't go unnoticed, is because he wants that whole community to know she's now healed and she's free to come back into community. Our king notices lost people, broken people to show extravagant kindness to. I, d I just wonder, who in your world needs a touch of kindness? We, we live in a world that needs a touch of kindness. Who in your world right now, you can't change the world for everyone, but you can change the world for someone. Who in your world needs a touch of kindness right now? Maybe that's the response from tonight's message. Just one person that you can notice. Who do you want me to notice, God? That you can show extravagant kindness to. Because that's what our God is like. Secondly, you know, King is kind of dead dogs because he restores us. You know, he restores us to our orig original condition. To, the word restore you know, means to return to original condition. You know, I, I said that our, our dog would uh, make things disappear, and he did return them, just never in original condition. That Barbie doll was never the same. My thongs that he chewed to bits, never the same. The time that he ate all of the kids' Easter eggs, one Easter Sunday, alfoil and all, we were finding bits of alfoil Easter egg all over the backyard until Christmas. The poor thing took nine months to push it all out. It was returned, just never to original condition. You see, our king, when he restores us, we're restored to original condition. Do anyone remember the name of the place where Mephibosheth was living? Name of the town. Lodabar. Anyone know what Lodabar means? It means no pasture. In our vernacular today, it means the middle of nowhere, no man's land. He was living there because he didn't think anyone would go looking for him there. But it wasn't a good place to live because there was nothing to eat. He's living in the middle of nowhere. 
He's got he's lame in both feet, which is not good in an agricultural society where you need to farm to be able to eat. It's not good when you think a king is going to come chasing after you to kill you. But we see the king turns up not to kill him, but to restore to him everything that he's lost. He said, you're living in the middle of nowhere, but I'm going to give you back all of your grandfather's land, tens of thousands of acres of the most fertile land in the whole nation. I'm going to give you back. I'm going to give you back your grandfather. I'm going to restore to you what was yours. And once again, we, we, we have a king in heaven who is extravagantly kind and he restores us to our original condition. When we're sinners and we're deserving of wrath, he restores us, you know, not to, you know, just be a servant, not just to scrape into heaven. He restores us to the family. He restores us to, to Genesis 1 and 2, to original condition, to intimacy with him, to intimacy with one another, to peace and intimacy w- with the world. He restores us to original condition. One of the, the, the greatest stories that, that Jesus told and is still told all over the world today is the story of the worst son in the history of the world, it says to his dad I wish you were dead because I want all of your money when you didn't think the story could get any worse he took all of his dad's money spent it all on on parties and prostitutes when it was was terrible thing to do you know in any culture but in this culture it was an awful thing to do and then when he had no money left he uh he went and started living with the pigs now in this culture you did not eat bacon and egg sandwiches they weren't a big deal you know in Israel you didn't touch anything that that came from a pig but this guy sinks even lower he doesn't just eat a BLT he actually lives with the pigs and he eats the pigs food you cannot get any lower as a good Jewish boy than this guy and then when he realises that he's going to die if he doesn't do something, he decides to return to home. And as he's heading back home, he's got this speech worked out in his mind. Dad, I can no longer call you dad. Just let me be a servant. Let, let me just look after your grounds. Let me polish your shoes. Let me care for your flocks. I'll never be in your household again, but let me be a servant. At least I'll be alive. The father... You know, the, the, the father in this patriarchal society, the man of respect in this whole community, sees his wayward son coming from a distance. And he gets up out of his seat. He hitches up his skirt and he runs to his son, which was unheard of in, in this culture. The man of respect didn't run like this. People came and bowed at his feet, but he ran and he embraced his son and he restored him to original condition. He put the ring on his finger, put the robe on his back. I want everyone to know he's a son. He'll never be a servant. He's my son. He's got the, all the rights of everything in this family once again. He puts shoes on his feet. He, he restores his position. He restores his purpose. Servants didn't have shoes. This was a sign that he was a son. He put shoes on his feet. And then he throws a party and celebrates because his son has come home. That is the heart of God. That is the kindness of God. That is the way our God in heaven treats every single one of us, whether we've turned our back on him for six months, one year, as I said at the beginning, 70 years. Open arms, embraces us with kindness. He restores us. 
Henri Nouwen uh, loved this story and he loved the painting that Rembrandt uh, painted of the story of the prodigal son. And this son just being embraced by the father. And, and Nouwen said, I'll actually read what he said because I can't remember it completely. But he says, I too have to kneel before the father, put my ear against his chest and listen without interruption to the heartbeat of God. I just wonder if some of us need to do that in the middle of the year. It's just kind of like God, God's never pushing us away. He's always drawing us close. We just need to listen without interruption to the heartbeat of God and let him restore what is lost within us. I don't know what you've lost right now. Maybe right now you've lost some joy. Maybe you've lost some purpose. Maybe you've lost some passion. And tonight... Jesus is restoring what is lost. I reckon that some of us here tonight have lost confidence. We've actually lost some confidence in the power of God. We've lost our confidence to listen to the voice of God. God is wanting to restore something. I just believe as some of us here tonight, God's, God is doing a restoring work in our heart. That's how, how kind he is. Lastly, our king is kind uh, to dead dogs. He invites us to eat at his table every day. You know, our, uh, our dog, was, uh, we trained him pretty well. He, uh, he would sit and he'd roll over and he'd play dead. We didn't have, it was a sheep dog, but we didn't have any sheep, but we had chickens. We trained him to round up the chickens. That was my favourite part. And, uh, and it was, this is a little bit embarrassing, all right? But uh, Susan is a very spiritual dog. Susan trained him to say grace. He would not eat his food until he put his paw up and Susan held his paw and said grace for what he was about to eat in the silver dish. Very embarrassing. It was kind of like being part of the Flanders family for those. You probably have never watched The Simpsons, have you? You're too, too young. The problem was he never wanted what was in the dish. He didn't want dry dog biscuits. The thing that was most annoying about him, he kept us circling our table, wanting to eat what was on our table. Here's uh, Mephibosheth in this story. We don't know what he's living on, but he's living in a place called no pasture. There's nothing to eat. This was not, he, was, he was not living extravagantly, you could say. And David, the king, turns up and says, no more. From now on, for the rest of your life, whether you work or don't work, whether you are fruitful or not fruitful, whether you do anything of any significance or not, you are invited to eat at the king's table for the rest of your life. It's the same invitation God gives to every single one of us. Jesus himself says, I'm the bread of life. Come to me, I'll satisfy you. I can sustain you. You'll never be hungry again. Now, I wonder if some of us have been invited to the king's table every day and we've gotten to the middle of the year and we've recognised we're happy just snacking on the corn chips. I've got so much to give you. 
I got so much for you to enjoy if you'll just stop, if you'll take time, if you'll listen to me without interruption, if you'll just come and eat from my word, if you'll come and just sit in my presence. I want to sustain you. I want to satisfy you. I want to nourish your soul. You see, you are what you eat. We know this physically. What you take into your body will actually shape your physical body. It's the same is true for your soul. What you take into your soul will shape your soul. If you go out to uh, dinner with someone tonight, and where you go, Nando's, and they they order three fried chicken burgers, you know, uh, a side of uh, loaded fries, you know, uh, onion rings, you know, three extra chunky uh, thick shakes, some cheesecake, and a Diet Coke. You'd think, why bother with the Diet Coke? You've got that many calories coming into your body as if the Diet Coke is going to help you in any way. But I tell you, we do the same thing spiritually. We, we, we kind of go, okay, I'll spend three hours in Netflix, you know, two hours scrolling on Facebook, you know, uh, eight hours being absolutely harassed by my boss, you know, a couple of hours on uh, talkback radio, but I'll spend 90 seconds reading every day with Jesus. And we think that 90 seconds is going to shape our lives. It's not true. I just believe some of us here tonight, Jesus is saying, I'm inviting to my table every day. Are you going to come? Are you going to come to my table? Some of us need a change of spiritual diet. Growing up in Western Sydney, my grandfather had a little market garden. He'd often send me down to the produce store. And uh, I'd buy fertilizer and stuff, and I'd go down to this produce store. And every time I was there, there was, there was this guy working in the produce store who was always nibbling on dog biscuits. It, it was, didn't matter what time of day I turned up, sometimes he was dipping them in a cup of tea, and he'd just have a little nibble on, on dog biscuits. It turns out you can live on them, they're not that tasty. But you can live on them. And some of you are looking at me, you're disgusting. My senior pastor just nibbled on a dog biscuit. I tell you, some of us are doing it spiritually. We're kind of getting by, we're, we're living, on, we're staying alive spiritually, but it's like you're nibbling on dog biscuits when, when God spread a banquet before you. Just come to me every day. You can sit at my table every day. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what mistakes you've made, you're invited, you're given a seat at my table. I want to nourish your soul. I want to shape your life with my word. I wonder if some of us at the start of the year, we started, you know, every day I'm going to have kale for breakfast. I'm going to do 500 push-ups. I'm going to read 17 chapters of scripture and pray for three hours a day. But right now we've got to the middle of the year you had Fruit Loops for breakfast this morning with chocolate milk poured on top. You did two push-ups, then you reached for the remote to flick Netflix back on. And you, you wonder why you've, you've lost something of what you started the year with. God's not here with a stick. He's not saying, you loser. He's saying, come to my table. Come to my table. I've got something better for you.
I encourage you. He's got a little heart checkup in the middle of the year. I want to encourage you. Are you being kind to yourself? Are you sitting at the table every day, just enjoying what God's got for you? Are you being kind to others? Are you showing the extravagant kindness of God to people around you? Desperately need it. And are you allowing God to just shower His kindness upon you? As you put your ear against His chest and allow Him to restore something of what you've lost. This is what I want us to do to finish tonight. I want to pray for a whole bunch of people just where you are. I'm going to ask you just to, to, to respond to what God's saying to you just by standing where you are in just a moment. But then what I'd love us to do to finish, I'd love a bunch of people to come and just share a story. And I'm going to ask you just to do it in less than 60 seconds, all right? But just, just a simple story of how you've seen the kindness of God in your life. It might have been last week. It might have been 20 years ago. But just testify to the kindness of God. You know, sometimes we invite people to come out the front here and, and to receive prayer. Tonight, I'm going to come, I invite you to come out the front a little bit later as we sing this last song. And you're actually going to turn around to the congregation and you're going to bless everybody else with your testimony of kindness. And I tell you, it is going to minister to some people. The kindness of God. You've just seen the kindness of God. We've sung about it tonight. You've seen it in Scripture. Some of us just need to testify to the kindness of God. It's going to be a reminder for you. Oh, that's right. I've forgotten how kind God was to me back then. And for others, it's going to put hope in others that they can hold on to God in the midst of tough times because He's incredibly kind. But let me, let me pray for us first, then we're going to do that, okay? So if, you, if you're here tonight, and you just got one person you'd like to show kindness to, one person in your world, maybe at uni, in your apartment block, in your work, place in your family, and you've got a way to show them extravagant kindness this week. I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are right now. That's the thing that God's just put on your heart. Just stand where you are right now. You've got one person you're going to show extravagant kindness to. I'm not, I'm not going to get you to say anything out loud or anything, but you just that's your way of responding tonight. i got one person. I'm going to show the kindness of God to. If that's you, just stand where you are. I, I know there's someone here. That's you. One person. I'm going to show the kindness of God to that person. It's cool. It's good. Okay, there's some of you here tonight, you're just saying, God, I need you to restore something that I've lost. For some of you, it's going to be restoring joy. For some, it's going to be restoring passion. For some, it's going to be restoring a confidence in God. It's a confidence to hear His voice and to speak it. Confidence that He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. But right now, you just need God to do a restoring work in your heart. If that's you, can I just get you to stand where you are? Say, God, would you restore something that I've lost? Restore in me. It's good. Restore joy. Restore confidence. It's good. Cool. Just lastly, there's some of you here, you just need to receive the kindness of God. Be kind to yourself. You just realise you got to the middle of the year and you need a change of spiritual diet. You need to actually just come to His table every day and eat what God's got for you. Get into His Word, just enjoy His presence.
If you're here tonight, you just know you need to change a spiritual diet. Just, just stand where you are right now. Just uh, jump up. Let's give it a Cool. Hey, if you're, uh, if you're sitting near someone, why don't you just put a hand on their shoulder? I'm going to pray for them. If you, you feel like you've got a prayer for them, you can just pray it over them also. But come on, just, just gather around someone. Just, just put a hand on their shoulder. I'm not going to ask them to share anything. I just want to pray. I just want to pray for them. Pray that God administer uh, to them tonight. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a God of extravagant kindness. Thank you for a God who comes searching for us when we were lost and broken to show your kindness to us. God, tonight I pray, I pray that you would just put a person in our hearts to show your kindness to. God, may we be extravagant with our time, extravagant with our words. God, extravagant just in an act of kindness that won't just be about one moment of kindness, but God, as, as we show kindness to this person, God, I, I pray that they would see your kindness. God, I pray that they would see the kindness of God. God, bless these guys. Give them courage to act. I, I pray that right now they'd know this is not their imagination. This is their, not them being a nice person. This is the prompt of your Holy Spirit. God, may they show extravagant kindness, even to people who don't deserve it. Even when it's going to be a difficult, it's going to be diff- there's, there's an obstacle to overcome. God, give them courage to overcome that obstacle. Father, thank you that you are a God who restores us. You restore our heart. You restore our mind. When people have spoken damaging words over us, God, you come and you speak life-giving words. You hold us close to your heart. You call us son. You call us daughter. You call us beloved God, would you help us to hear your voice tonight? God, would you restore joy in this room, restore confidence, restore passion? God, restore purpose. God, God, speak by your Spirit right now and restore purpose. Purpose to life, purpose to keep on going, purpose to be faithful and not to give up. God, restore eternal purpose in hearts tonight. And Father, thank you that you do invite us to your table every day. And I pray that tonight, God, there would not be one ounce of guilt or shame about coming to your table. God, just desire, change desire, God. Put a desire in our hearts, a desire to be close to you, a desire for your word, a a desire to just sit with you in prayer, to put our ear against your chest and just be with you. God, where there needs to be a change of practice, a change of calendar. God, would that desire be so strong in our hearts that we would be self-disciplined and we would bring that change by the power of your Holy Spirit. Your Spirit is a a Spirit of love and power and self-discipline. Give us self-discipline tonight to sit at your table every day, receive what you have for us. Come, if you're standing with someone right now, he's got a prayer for them, just take a moment. As the rest of the team come up, just take a moment just to pray, pray a prayer over the person that you're standing with. Whatever God puts in your heart, just begin to pray for them. Just pray words of blessing, words of hope, words of kindness.
God, you're so kind. Continue to pour out your Spirit upon us. Pour out your Spirit. God, may we, may we know your smile upon us. May we know your unwavering love that is for us and not against us in Christ. God, we're so thankful for all that you've done for us, all the blessings you poured out in our lives. God, help us, help us to remember today and help the redeemed of the Lord to tell their story. God, would you release your just life-giving story as we finish tonight? I pray in Jesus' name. Hey, let's stand together. We're, we're going to sing uh, 10,000 Reasons. Now, in this room, we don't have 10,000 people to tell a story, all right? But I bet you if we spent the rest of this uh, night just thinking of all the ways God's been kind to us, we'd probably have 10,000 stories. But tonight, I reckon we just need seven. Seven's a biblical number, all right? I'm just believing for seven people to come out here tonight and just tell a story of the kindness of God in your life. As I said, it could have been last week. It could have been 20 years ago. But just testify to the kindness of God tonight. Hannah's going to be out here with a microphone and uh, I'm just going to get you to come and tell your story. Tell it quick. Tell it short. You don't have to go into... You don't have to tell every uh, detail, but just testify to the kindness of God tonight. Come on, when you, as we're singing this song, 10,000 Reasons, just come out the front, join Hannah, share a story.
All right, we need a few more people to come. Turn, come out here. Come around here. Taylor. Turn around here. Yeah, keep coming. That's good. There's a few more going to come right now, I reckon. Just come and join these guys. Turn around. We'll tell all these guys your story. All right. Come on. Come and come and join the line out here. No, stay standing up. Come out here. That's it. Come and come and join. Everyone can stay on our feet. Let's uh, just come and join the line. Come and testify to the kindness of God. Awesome. Let's go. It's actually like a few months ago. I was probably at a very low point in my life. Um, I was going through a lot. And there's just one night I just turned towards the sky and I started cursing at God. I was like, why are you doing this to me? Like, is my life just kind of something for you to play around with? Um, I insulted him. And I just kind of cut all contact with him and I stopped praying, I stopped going to church, everything. But there was one day where one of my friends, um, she brought me back to church and the instant that I just stepped foot into church, I just felt like he just forgave me. He never really actually held a grudge against me for what I said and he just accepted me regardless of my past, of what I've done or what I've said and yeah. That's good. God is good. Thank you. So I went to a, on a work trip to Victoria this week and I get off the plane and I'm desperate for a coffee. So I go to the airport to order a coffee. It's $7. I'm Ooh. like, I'm still desperate for a coffee, so I'm going to pay for it. And I try to pay for it with my phone, PayWave. doesn't work. I check my funds. I have more than, more than enough funds to, to order the coffee. I try it again. It doesn't work. So then I go back to my bag to get my physical card try that, doesn't work. And then I tell the lady, you know what? I don't think God wants me to have my coffee. So I start walking away and then she's like, no, 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 stop, stop. We've already made it so you can have it. Uh, so I didn't have to pay for the coffee. Wow. And I was like, thank you, God. God Just the kindness of God. Workers, he does. Eh? That's awesome, Tilla. Good job. So I'm blessed to be a part of a ministry uh, in Fortitude Valley called Chaplain Watch. Um, we work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, overnight in the entertainment precinct. Um, it's a group of volunteers who go out um, from 10 p.m. to 4.30 a.m., uh, wow. make sure people get home safe. Um, it's great just going out there, um, changing people's lives on most likely the worst night of their life. They go out to have a good time, um, and most of them, not sorry, not most of them, some of them come home um, with pretty life-changing, life-changing events. Um, you see a lot, um, people go through a lot, and God is working through us to get them home safe. And it's great to see that. It's great to see what's God's, what God is doing in that area. Um, and, it, and it's great to be a part of that working ministry. Um, yeah, just make sure we get home safe. Amen, amen. Hey, what's, what's your name, buddy? Pierce. Pierce. I, I just believe it's Pierce Torrent. Not, not everyone's going to do that kind of ministry. But just as he was sharing, I just believe you, you heard the, the passion and the, the purpose that he has in his heart as he's telling that story. I believe that's God's plan for every single one of us. I really believe God just wants to restore purpose in our hearts. There's, there's something that he's called each of us to do with that same kind of passion that's going to be a blessing, show kindness to people. Good man. Thank you. Good man. 
Um, yeah, so at the start of this year, I was moving out for the first time with some of my friends who were also moving out for the first time. So we'd spent a lot of money on deposits and buying furniture off Facebook Marketplace. Um, and we had quite a big house with a yard and we are having our housewarming party, but the lawn was getting really long and we needed to mow it. And the quote we got from like Jim's mowing and those people was like 200 bucks plus. And we could not afford that. <laughs> so we were like trying to work out what to do. And literally the morning of our house party, like I woke up at like 7am and I could hear a lawnmower and I thought it was our neighbours and my room's right at the front of our house. And it started getting closer. I was like, what on earth? Has someone, like, one of my housemates, like, organised something behind my back and, like, found a cheaper deal or something? And so, like, about half an hour later, I, like, see him at the back. So I go out and ask, be like, oh, hey, dude, would you like a coffee or something? It's 7.30. You just ran me in our yard mowing it for us. And he's like, oh, I didn't realise you guys were home and he didn't want a coffee or anything, but he said he'd come back to our door and let us know what he'd done when he finished. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. Went back and went about my day. And then we st the lawnmower eventually stops. We realise he's finished, but he doesn't come back. And then we just see this random car, like not marked with any like business name or anything, just drive away. And we just never heard from that guy again. We still have no idea where this guy came from, how he found out we needed our lawn mowed by that night. But yeah, it's just cool thing God did for us yeah. that didn't even make a difference, but made a difference to us. So. That's the kindness of God. I tell you, that you, you can be that kind of blessing to people, just showing extravagant kindness to people. It's so good. Thanks, man. Hey, uh, my name's Connor. I don't really do public speaking, so apologies if this isn't great. Um, so about three months ago, uh, I mean, I grew up in an atheist family, and about three months ago, uh, I found my way with God, and I had been looking uh, for signs. I was a bit lost. And about a week ago, I met Felipe while I was working and he told me that uh, he showed me some speech of God and he took me to church today and today's one have been, been one of the greatest days of this year. So thank you, Felipe. Uh, that's awesome, man. Good man. So good. That, that's going to be hard to beat, to be honest, mate. Whenever, you know, you know, whenever someone, if you put your faith in, in Jesus today, that's so cool. You know, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that all of heaven stopped to celebrate for you. Was it, was it Kyle or Carl? Connor. <laughs> Sorry, mate, I'm old. I'm going deaf. Connor, mate, so good. All of heaven stopped and said your name, celebrated uh, because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Mate, God's never going to let go of you. He's never going to let go of you. Good on you, Philippe, for uh, yeah. reaching out to him. I, I don't believe there's any greater joy in the world in being able to do what Philippe's just done, just in inviting someone to, to hear and to see the good news of Jesus in, in action. Just want to encourage you, keep being part of that story. There's people all over our city that, like Connor, just saying, I'm um, a little lost and just searching for something uh, right now that God is reaching out to in ways that we can't see with our human understanding. And so that little simple prayer is, God, who do you want me to notice? I can't change the world for everyone, but I can change the world for someone. Who do you want me to notice? I tell you, you pray that prayer every morning, you'll start noticing people who need God. Let me pray. God, tonight, thank you. Thank you for Connor. Thank you for every story we've heard down the front here of just ways that you've poured out your kindness in people's lives. 
God, I pray that that Connor will have a testimony for all eternity of your kindness, of searching for him when he was lost. And God, I pray that you just pour out your healing uh, in his life. God, you'd fill him with purpose. God, you give him the joy of, of telling others about Jesus, just like Philippe has, has done for him. God, would you, would you bless him and strengthen him in his faith? And for all of us here tonight, God, would you help us to notice, help us to notice people who need a touch of your kindness, that we too might have the joy of celebrating with all of heaven as people put their faith in you and have their lives transformed for all eternity. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.